Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Emmy Vadness. Our topic today is psychic children. My guest is Ellie Molina, who is author of Children Who Know How to Know, a resource guide for helping children develop and utilize their powerful intuitive abilities. Ellie is an international intuitive concierge advisor to former heads of state, public figures, celebrities, and business professionals. Ellie is a former university adjunct professor and holds a master's degree in linguistics from New York University. She has been educating for four decades. While residing in Washington State, Ellie co-founded a private school for children, where children learn to use more of their minds. She is the founder of Psy Kids, where children and adults learn to develop, trust, and utilize their psychic and intuitive abilities. Ellie is based in Long Island, New York, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Ellie. It is such a pleasure to be with you today. Hi, thank you, Emmy. Thank you for having me today. I'm very honored to be here. Well, I admire what you've been doing for years. I am a huge fan of teaching children intuition. And I wonder if we could just start out with how did you begin teaching children how to develop trust and cultivate their psychic and intuitive abilities? I believe that it happened intuitively and very naturally. So when I first started teaching middle school back in the 80s, what I noticed was that during our activities in the classroom, kids were communicating telepathically telepathically. And I noticed that because I've got a psychic background and I'm highly interested in telepathy and into um, what our mind powers. So for me, it was, wow, look at these kids. They're kind of using their telepathic abilities to do this. So I began to encourage that in game playing during our instruction. And then I started adding a little bit of other things, you know, for example, in our journaling, we would do a new moon wish list. And even though that's not very psychic, it's still setting the stage for um, attracting into our lives and looking at what how we can create reality through our thoughts and our words and our intentions. And then one thing led to another. And by the time it was 2005, from 80s to 2005, the secret had come out and what the bleep had come out. And I just figured if the secret can be out there and what the bleep is out there, then I can show this to my middle school students, which is what I did. And from there on, things just started um, working quickly, rapidly, and exponentially. Yeah, you even worked in, was it the New York City public schools that you brought this into? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And that was a big deal, uh, especially because it was something very unknown, very unaccepted. But we were, I started doing it through affirmations. So it wasn't that I just brought in this work, oh, let's do psychic work. I brought it in slowly with affirmations, with language. Thought creates language, the power of the word, the power that our words have. And so by doing affirmations and having the kids have results with through affirmations and 
subconsciously programming their minds to do well on the English language assessment tests, my administrators were more open to me developing a enrichment program for a year so that I could start to work with kids. And then obviously, if I'm working with children in that capacity, we're going to take it to the next level. And that was where all the fun started to happen. What did you see happen or develop with these children you were teaching these marvelous skills to? Well, we'll start with the New York with the New York crowd first, because later on there was it, it elevated to other abilities. But while I had the kids in New York, what we would do is we would start to wear blindfolds. Kids would have be blindfolded, and then they would practice seeing without their eyes. So what that would look like is they could find objects or identify objects and colors without their eyes. And then they could find objects in the room without their eyes, also blindfolded. So that was one. And again, really big was the idea of manifesting so that we would use language to manifest. Then I would tap into intuitive heart exercises where we then center ourselves and tap into the language of our heart. And of course, all kinds of telepathic games that we would play with each other, you know, with me and with them. So what color are, what color is underneath this? in this envelope. And then of course the beginning stages of remote viewing where we would start to see objects with, you know, in an envelope and um, the objects were hidden, let's say images, the images of objects were hidden in an envelope and then children would be wearing blindfolds and they would start to draw what they saw. And that was the beginning of the work in New York. And how did the children respond to this and receive this? They loved it. They wanted more. They want, and the, and here's the thing, Emmy, is that because of the program and the nature of it and how different it was, I was only allowed to work with 20 children during each of the quarters. There were four quarters. So I got, I worked with a total of 80 children. And there were so many other children that wanted to get into the program because people were, you know, the kids, the kids are excited. They're talking about it. They're talking about all the things that they're doing and the experiences that they're having. And so they really, really wanted more. Um, however, the nature of the beast was, you know, this is public school and we can only do so much and, um, no one's going to dedicate an entire day to this work for everyone. So unfortunately it didn't work like that. And then the following year I left. What benefits did these children receive as they cultivated these intuitive and psychic abilities? How did it improve their perhaps educational experience or social emotional learning or more? All right. Well, that's a great question because I always believe in teaching not just the phenomena, but teaching the consciousness that goes with the phenomena. So there are a lot of programs that I've seen. I don't know. Excuse the excuse me. It's not a lot of programs. I've seen programs where children learn to identify colors. You know, they'll just they'll be able to read without their eyes. They'll be able to do all sorts of phenomena. However, when the consciousness is not present, like what's the point of just doing phenomena? Example, if I'm bending a spoon, it's a phenomena, but what does that, how does that apply itself to real life? How can I use my spoon bending abilities out in the world? What does that give me? You know, I don't want to be a spoon bender as an entertainer, so that doesn't bring me anything. How can I apply that? And so I was taking that concept of, all right, we're using affirmations. We're being able to, you're able to see without your eyes, you're remote viewing. How can you take that concept 
and bring it into your other life to empower you and to raise your self-confidence and to start teaching yourself, basically self-awareness, which then leads into responsibility and then having responsibility for one's thoughts, one's actions, one's deeds creates a very responsible adult. And so it's no longer blame. He did this to me. They did this to me. Look what they did. So we covered all of that before we started the phenomena. So, you know, what does uh, human beings are meaning making machines. We love to put meaning to everything. So we could make it mean, oh, I'm not good at this and I can't do this. So we would work on all of the thoughts that we would have. And then we would take those thoughts. We would discuss them and look at them from an emotional intelligence level and awareness, responsibility, and then we would proceed to the phenomena. And it was so much easier to teach the phenomena that way. Um, even though kids are naturally really good at remote viewing and doing psychic work before the self-doubt kicks in. Cause you know, when they, it's like, call it beginner's luck. Okay. Everybody does really well the first time because there are no expectations. And then once that expectation hits like, Oh, I did it really well. What if I can't do it again? Well, that self-talk starts to create a process. So we would identify that before we went on to the next stages of the work that we do. Negative self-talk can limit children and adults in a variety of ways. Did you find by teaching these children these abilities that they started to feel that they could access more of themselves? And then did you find that it improved their self-esteem and self-confidence? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that that we noticed the results, of course, is they started to feel more confident on their test-taking abilities and their abilities to do well in school. And there was a little guy, he, um, there was a little guy, um, he was very short. And one of the things that we were experimenting with is growing. If we could basically tell our body to grow. What if it's possible for us to tell our body it's time for us to grow? It's time for us to grow. So we took a little section of the room that nobody would notice and had him lean up against the the wall and just mark it very carefully as like, this is your height, okay? And then a few weeks later, we would do it again. And then over the course of the semester, he actually grew. Now you could say, well, he was going to grow anyway. It had nothing to do with this. But I really believe that because he believed that he could grow more, he grew faster. And so if you ask him, if, you, if we were to find him and ask him, do you remember that? He'd absolutely remember that. And then it would be, yes, I have the ability to influence my body, influence my reality. And I learned this when I was 12. So this is a very powerful thing. And again, I've seen this through in other areas also where kids coming from disadvantaged, disadvantaged homes were able to bring this into their personal experiences at home so they could tune out a lot of the negativity that was happening and they could then take themselves into the space of, let's call it a deeper imagination of creating a new reality for themselves. Having all sorts of different types of abuse in the home, physical, mental, sexual, separation from parents, having a parent maybe even incarcerated, and so forth. And that what these adverse childhood experiences, uh, known as ACE scores, can indicate is that a person can actually, uh, it can impact their health or well-being positively or negatively. And so it sounds like you're saying that 
by these children learning these experiences and abilities or unlearning them, which I'd like to hear a little bit more. I know you mentioned that in your book, which is a great book, by the way, that these children can access more of themselves and maybe even do you think mitigate what might have otherwise developed as even trauma because these post these uh, adverse childhood experiences can also develop into trauma and it's sounding like you're saying that this can help children to possibly mitigate some of that absolutely and again if it's presented in such a way that it's not just about the phenomena of me because if it's always about the phenomena then it goes into it has a really strong chance of just going into the ego look like well look what i can do and then it becomes ego driven and my mission is never to my mission was never and is never to have anything be ego driven but to have it be coming from a higher level of consciousness and mind power abilities as to what we are capable of human beings ultimately that we are here to create and can live in peace and harmony with each other and with the planet. So these are the principles by which I also held. And so when we would do later on, this is later on when I was in, in Washington, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I'm assuming, um, that we healed the planet and so this would begin also in our classes that we would start looking at where this is, we're just here, but we are all connected to something greater. We are connected to something bigger. Just and for the kids, it was easy to say, Hey, like we're like avatar. We're connected to the tree of life. And so what we do influences other people, even if we can't feel it. So we can, it, it's through our thoughts. So we want to be able to be conscious of our thoughts. We want to be mindful of what we're thinking. We want to always look for the best in ourselves and strive for that and do self-talk so that we can love ourselves first. Because if you can't love yourself first, you're not going to love someone else. So we did a lot of affirmations in terms of self-love before, again, before doing the work with the phenomena. And this, of course, raises the self-esteem, helps to get better grades, helps to have kids control themselves because now you can become the observer. Once you have access to this information, you can be in a situation where people are poking you, let's say like poke the bear, you know how kids can be. But if you have access to this information, you can start to bring in self-control. And that is the most powerful thing that I believe one can teach anyone, especially a child, self-control. Because as you master self, as one masters self-control, you master your ability to respond as opposed to react. You master your emotional intelligence and you can become the observer of the situation and then get in and actually change the energy of the situation by being the observer and not being in there reactive, feeling the fire. And they were taught this. And so you were in New York and then you went to Washington State and there you founded and developed a program at a private school there. Can you share a little bit about that experience? Yeah, that was awesome. So once I started getting the feel for this work, I needed to leave New York. It was just, it was really, really clear to me I needed to leave New York. And then as we know, the universe, God, the way that things work as we put out our intentions and we start 
sending out the messages. This is what I want. This is what I want. All of a sudden, the synchronicities and the coincidences begin to appear. And lo and behold, there was a school in Washington State that was already in existence and had existed for many years. And it was called the Children's School of Excellence. And when I looked into that school, I knew that that is where I wanted to teach and that is where I wanted my own son to go. In this school, they were teaching neuroscience. They were teaching telepathy. They were teaching blindfolded archery, remote viewing, and consciousness. This was a place where I really wanted to work, a a culture I wanted to be connected to, other educators all having the same conversations as to what's possible. So I applied. I was accepted. I took a huge cut in salary, just FYI, and I moved across the country. And then I was there for a year. And then during that year, it was just unbelievable. We had such a great time. The programs were amazing. The kids were amazing. My son flourished. And then the following year, I stepped back. I left teaching. I was starting to go off and to do things on my own. I was experimenting. And then the school where the school that I had originally been at lost its funding and they closed, they closed up, they closed the doors. And then a few months later, a group of parents came who had young children that had been in the school and they wanted the school to continue. So they came up to me and they said, Hey, will you co-found the school with us? And we're going to change its name and we want you to co-found it and teach the kids. And we weren't going to run out of the same, the same location. And so we did that. And I did that with uh, two, a call, two other teachers. We co-founded with a group of parents and we were teaching these skills to really young children beginning at age three. Unfortunately, in a school such as this, in the funding was cut again. And in 2011, December of 2011, we had to close our doors. So we closed our doors and then I went solo. What did the parents say to you or describe about what they noticed with their children and how it impacted their family life, their ability to function day to day in their home and all of their activities together as a unit? (laughs) Well, the parents were on board. So that was number one. Okay. And one day I remember I got a text message from one of the parents and they used to call me Miss Ellie. And it was very endearing. And it was like, Miss Ellie, my son told me I am not supposed, the kid was like four. And my son told me I'm not supposed to say can't and should because it limits my possibilities. And I love it. (laughs) So her little son turned out to be, uh, you know, uh, that was something that I hadn't expected to happen, even though, of course, it would. And he was like going home and saying, Miss Ellie says we don't use can't in the house. Miss Ellie says we can we we can't use should in the house. And it was like, okay, Miss Ellie, we're gonna make those changes because we know that we know that this is right. And we will practice not using can't and we'll find something else. We don't want to limit our possibilities. And so the parents were totally on board with all of this. Is this something that all children can learn to cultivate or those who might be listening might be thinking, oh, that's just for a special group of children or maybe special parents who are open to it? 
No, this is for everybody if you're open for it. So here's the thing. Right now, I am only working with a select group of children. Now, these kids are... Uh, they're not born psychic. They're not indigo children. They're not star seeds. They're none of this. Okay. These are just kids that have an interest in developing their psychic abilities and their intuitive abilities and children who want to really learn to, let's call it, create their own reality. So I'm working with three children right now, actually four. And um, then most of the other, so that's one-on-one. And then the other children are taking the work, the, doing the work in an online program that I created for parents and their children. So this is online and kids can do this at their own pace. You get the same, it is basically all the information is there. There's lectures, there's me teaching and talking about raising emotional intelligence as we go through the phenomena. And um, so that's all there. But for the kids that I'm working with, these are regular children. Um, I do have one particular boy that I'm working with. He has um, neurogenitive disease. And so this has been really amazing because it has so empowered him. He is not able to walk well. And it's, you know, a personal story, which I'm not going to share right now, but it will, you know, I, um, so he does not walk well and it is very difficult for him to, there's so much that he cannot participate in, obviously, but then there's a wealth of things that he can do. And he has gotten so good in his psychic abilities. He jokes around and tells his mother, I'm going to change the weather. Now we can do this. We know that when we work in our psychic abilities for those people who are really in tune with knowing that we can alter our outside influences. We've had kids do telekinesis, which is moving objects with their mind. So now he's getting really good at doing certain things with his mind and he loves this work and he's highly telepathic and able to do a lot of remote viewing. And this has empowered him in a different way. So it's giving him, it's giving him encouragement. And, you know, he's not comparing himself to other children and what he can't do. He's looking at what I he can do. And how do you differentiate between intuitive and psychic abilities? Okay, so we're all, great question. So it's, um, we're all intuitive. So for me, that is basically very, very similar also to um, something that is within us, like even an instinct, okay? So there's a fine line between intuition and instinct in my, in my opinion. And I believe that intuition is one of our sense. It's, it's a sense. And we could even consider it our, our first sense because intuition for me, and this is me, I'm just, you know, I'm making this up as I go along and maybe other people have said this before, but for me, intuition is our brain can only absorb so much. No, no. Our brains, our mind absorbs everything, but our vision and our capacity to process is very limited. So the intuition picks up everything. It picks up what we're feeling, the bodily sensations, who's in the room, who's up there, who's outside. We are tapped into such such a wealth of information, only our ability to process is very narrow. And so that to me is intuition. And for me, the psychic ability is when we have um, it's almost as if it's operating from outside of us or operating from something in the third eye where you just get this, you get a vision, you get a hit, you get a, like a deep knowing 
And it feels very different from, it feels almost like a jolt compared to intuition, which can be more subtle, um, almost the way that we breathe and we smell something beautiful coming in. That to me is like intuition. But the psychic work is when um, I'm holding an envelope, for example, and I say to you, look inside this envelope and tell me what you see. And you can see that that's not your intuition. That is your psychic ability. So whatever that different, that difference is, that's how I discern between the two. So perhaps maybe intuition is more of internal, kind of like your own self. And maybe psychic is when we kind of connect to sort of that one mind or to accessing information seemingly beyond or without space and time. I don't know if we really have a definition for it. And I'm just thinking for me, this for me, and this is personal for me, when I'm doing psychic things, that just feels like a really, really clear vision. Whereas intuition is way more subtle for me. And you mentioned in your book that children naturally are in the alpha brainwave states and therefore are, it's more accessible for them to access their intuitive and psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, we have different brainwave states. And when we are infants and born, we're in an alpha state. It's a very reduced, slow brainwave state. And that shifts when we hit puberty. And then we go into a beta brain state. This is a much faster. We are in beta right now. We're talking, we're conversing. And for us to go into alpha, which is the reduced brainwave state. That's where the magic happens. That is where the intuition happens. That is where the hits happen. That's where the psychic work happens. For us to get there, we need to meditate to get there, or we need to be trained so that we can just do it through neuro um, linguistic programming or anchoring so that we know that this is what we do. We get into it. But for the most part, we have to go into a relaxed state in order to enter alpha. And children are there naturally until they hit puberty. So their imagination, they're on a different frequency and they really are on a different frequency. And there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. because that's where they're at. And we want them to be where we're at, which is uh, um, doesn't work. Well, I love that you are supporting children at such a young age so they can recognize and experience the power of possibility within themselves. When I was about five years old, just I think after my first year of kindergarten, I had a neighbor friend, Susie, and I would go to her house and play. And one day we were in her basement and we felt a presence there. It was an old 100 plus year old house in St. Paul, Minnesota, very dark and maybe even had a dirt floor. And we brought other neighbor kids there to see if they felt a presence as well. And we did. And we named the ghost George. (laughs) How do you help children? Because we're all such creative beings and children in particular, because probably of what you're mentioning about the brainwave states and how they haven't been really conditioned by so much yet from parents and experiences, have a strong imagination. How do you help children differentiate between what somebody might say, the quote they're making up versus something like an experience that I described? Okay. So this is, this is a little touchy now, Emmy, because we're dealing with, um, we're dealing with who's making the child, who's telling the child that that's not there. If that's a parent, remember parents have, so parents are the authority. 
So we always have to go back to and parents of the authority in this case. However, if we were in the room together and we were working in the in the room and the child said to me, I saw George and my friends all came over and I saw George, I might ask, what did he look like? So I would be encouraging that. I wouldn't be saying, oh, yeah, that's just your imagination. You know, by the time you get into beta, that may, if you're not trained to continue to do that, you're going to lose that. And then you're going to have to go into a program and learn how to regain that. You'll have to go learn how to meditate so that you have access to that again. Right. And it was so fascinating. Even though we were so young, we were checking in with each other. What do you notice about George? And we all concluded that George was friendly and we didn't feel afraid. <laughs> In fact, we like to go down and visit him. Right, right. No, and, and here's the thing, you know, this is children, like I said, the veil, we call it the veil and I guess in, you know, new age language, right? So the veil has not been, the veil has not been, um, Covered up. Yeah. <laughs> so they're able to see things that we don't see anymore unless we're meditating or we're trained or we continue to train ourselves to do this. They can perceive, they can see, they can feel. They're awesome at this. And then unfortunately, we we don't mean to, but we rob them of it. You know, draw in the lines, conform, become, you know, just conform. Don't be different. You know, um, do what you're told, sit, you know how it goes. Well, and the fear aspect of some mm, people's value systems or spiritual or religious beliefs can also thwart it to a degree. But I would imagine the people you're working with are seeking you out so they're more open and are desiring accessing these abilities, which don't always have to go into... Um, some of those different belief systems because they they all they might and they can for people but they also really have practical applications as well absolutely um it's just that when if we've removed the fear factor the people who do come to me who do seek me out are let's call it i don't want to say open-minded okay but they have a different belief system as opposed to just the belief system of good and evil and so people coming to work with me are usually have had their own experiences and they were they had these experiences as children and then these experiences were made wrong and they had problems but they knew that what I'm saying, they know the adults, the parents, they know that what I'm saying is right for them. They can resonate with what I'm saying. And so they want this for their children and they may not be able to teach it to their kids the way that I can teach it. Cause I have all of those years in the classroom on top of being psychic and intuitive myself and having those experiences and then being able to teach it, you know, I'm someone that they can relate to, come to, and seek me out to work with their child or to to do yeah to work with their kids. Can you share a story about how you helped the child develop their psychic and intuitive abilities? <sighs> okay, <laughs> I gotta go find one story. Okay, there's there's a lot of them. Um, Give me one second to think of somebody right now. Did you want to share the remote viewing one that you sent the image for? Yeah, even though I didn't work with him. He was a, um, but I, that's a, such a great story. I did not work with him. Well, whatever you're comfortable sharing. So I was doing a, 
online psychic development class for adults. And we were looking at my Zoom screen and there was a manila envelope and the assignment was look inside the manila envelope and draw what you see. Do your best not to put an not to put a label on it. Do not put an association to it, like a ball. If you see something round, draw it round, whatever. So they had gone through the instructions as to what it, to do. And now they were just basically staring at this manila envelope and gathering information to record. When one of the participants have had a five-year-old son walk by who looked at her and goes, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm looking in the envelope to see what it is. And he goes, well, that's easy. And she said, really? And he sat down next to her and then he drew an image of a little boy um, holding a sword and with black and the image was amazing. And then he had his mom write, he said to her, say power and dragon. And then it turned out, Emmy, that when I did the reveal, it was a caricature of Jon Snow, who we know is power and dragons from Game of Thrones. And he was holding a sword. And so there was such an uncanny accuracy for somebody who's five years old, never done this work before, just walked on right by, looked at a manila envelope and saw an image 2,000 miles away, okay, via computer screen. So to anybody who's a non-believer, you say, well, how did he do that? And that's what I'm saying. We're all tapped in and they are tapped in. They especially are tapped into this deep alpha. So... That is one story that was just, that one blew me away because he was, you know, five years old and had no experience whatsoever in this. And um, again, with older children who started this years ago, uh, they've learned how to take these skills, develop their intuition, develop their remote viewing, and they can work. I've got somebody who works the market, the stock market. And what he does is he taps into his intuition and then he does a remote view to see which way it's going to be, which way the market's going and what he needs to do. And he's in his early 20s and he makes his living like this and um, gets to travel around also um, in between, you know, he was traveling around a lot more. Now he's back. Okay. He took a break during COVID. And, uh, but during that time, he was a really worked on his remote viewing and psychic abilities to be able to work the market. Truly remarkable. There are other children who are now in the schools of their dreams. There are children in modeling and acting careers. There are children who are, um, yeah, there are a couple of actors. I've got three actors right now, actresses, whatever, and um, other children who are now they're they're teens and they are they going into the colleges of their choice. I have children who were in the colleges of their choice and are now in their fields, and so this is all part of what is possible through the training. And it's, again, it is knowing that there are no limits and that we have the ability to bend reality when and if we know how, and it's part of the belief. So why be afraid of going for a job interview if you know that you can bend reality? And if you don't get that job, you're going to get another job better or the way that it is meant for you. That is the way that you've put it out there in into the universe that yeah. or something better will come. And to have that confidence as a young adult, a teen, and even in your 20s, that's really very powerful.
belief in yourself really literally goes miles. And I would imagine that the children and the adults you've worked with have also been able to make better choices in their lives with these abilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, even the, the, the adults that I work with now um, in, my, in my consulting programs, they're what I call, they bend the sea. They know how to part the sea. They have the ability to use their third, I call it the third eye. They use their psychic ability. They have the use of their internal power to really, let's use the word manifest, part the seas, create, can create things that take other people much longer because they're combating their belief system and they're able to achieve results. It's really quick and it's really remarkable because it's believing in yourself and knowing that you can do it. It's not, it's knowing, it's knowing, trusting, and then having that expectation, but not that expectation that, that, Oh, hope, expectation, and then getting disappointed. It's having the knowing expectation that whether it happens in a week, two weeks, or a month from now, that expectation, it is, it is done. The arrow basically has left the bow and it is towards its target and it will hit that target. Which reminds me, we did blindfolded archery also when we were teaching in the school and that was really wonderful. The kids were great at that. So you have, you're blindfolded and then the target's out there. You don't face the target, you face away, but your third eye has you hit the target. And that's a great skill to have also. Do you find that the children and the parents or the adults you work with feel more powerful? It's a whole other level of confidence because it's that confidence of knowing. There's a difference when you know, okay, again, people use this all the time, but it's a great, it's a great analogy. We don't question when we go to turn on the light switch, okay? We don't question, oh, is it going to go? Is it going to go? Is it going to work? You know, we just turn on that light switch and we know the light goes on. And that is the kind of power that working in the psychic realm with kids and even their adults, that kind of power transfers over. We don't have to guess if it's working and I hope this works and what if it works? No. This stuff works. You know, you know, you can, I don't walk across a bed of hot coals with kids or anything, but like when I did at Tony Robbins event, I mean, I knew that this, I knew there was like no doubt I'm going to walk across that hot bed of coals. I'm not going to get burned. And this is going to work. It was a knowing. Can children who are considered neurodiverse, maybe we're all, we're all neurodiverse, but children who are maybe experiencing ADHD or autism or maybe mental health issues benefit from your services? So firsthand knowledge on this one back in 2011, when I was going, when I was going solo and private, I was working with um, an elementary school in Olympia, Washington. And I went in every Friday to teach. Um, I went in to teach intuitive heart and that's where we started. It was intuitive heart, which then is again, tapping into our heart. It's learning how to sit still so that we can get to listen to the heart. So there's focus, concentration, awareness, and the kids who had, there were three children in that class. Two of them were autistic and then one was ADHD. And when it came time, whenever I came in and it wasn't about me, it was the work. So whenever I came in, they would come from their corners, wherever they were, they wanted to participate and they did, they participated. And even the kids who were known to normally, the child who was known to normally jump around and never sit still was able to 
come sit still. He wanted to participate. And then the two children with autism were amazing. You know, they had aides with them and the aides and the teacher came to me afterwards and said, we've never seen them come out like this to talk and to be present and to be engaged without, we've never seen this before, but they do this every Friday when you come. And I mean, it wasn't about me. It's not like, oh, it was the work. It was the work. And can you share maybe one or two games or methods that you utilize to help these children develop their psychic and intuitive abilities? I have a 16 page guide which is available on my website. So if you were to go to Ellie, and then I'll share some right here, but if you were to go to elliemolina.com and then hit the tag over there, you know, the header, Psy Kids, and continue to scroll there, there's a brochure. It's not a brochure, it's a guide. There's a guide, it's called What If. There, It's 16 pages of activities that children can do with their adults. And even adults can do these themselves to tap into their intuition and to tap into their psychic abilities. You can do this as an adult. You can do this as a child. You can do this together. And um, I'm, I'm going to just put it like this. The exercises are the reason why I'm not sharing them right now. Okay. Emmy is because in the, in the guide, they're built on top of each other. So if I take one now out of context, it's not going to make any sense. But one of the things is um, again, it's learning how to connect into nature. These are simple, easy exercises that parents can do. Ultimately, it will revolve a deck of playing cards and telepathy, but it is a progression so that one can get to it. So anybody who's interested in this, I mean, it's free. It's 16 pages. It's incredible stuff that I've used over the years and still use today. And it will really open up that conversation. It will open up the emotional levels of intelligence. It will open up a lot of avenues to access, develop, and start trusting your intuition and psychic abilities. Thank you for that. What a beautiful gift for people to access that resource. In schools these days, I've been hearing about more teachers, occupational therapists, social workers, bringing in mindfulness, meditation, yoga. How much do you think these approaches, which do have great research for helping children with a whole host of mind, body, spirit benefits, many of which you're describing, how much do you think these coming into the school systems, and it's it's not exactly systematic, it's sort of, you know, part pieces here and there of different educators and therapists doing this. Do you think that this will move more children in these positive directions? Just being able to have yoga, mindfulness, meditation, that again, accesses the child's self-control. All right. It's another form of, of learning to self-control. And it's such a gift to be able to bring this to children. We do know that it does have a profound effect on their emotional intelligence. Um, it needs to be, however, this is where this is very important is that the dots have to be connected so that even though you're doing yoga, there has to be a connection between consciousness, awareness, emotional intelligence. Uh, there's got to be that connect the dot. It just cannot be go in, do yoga, and then let it be. So again, it depends on who's the instructor and what the program looks like. But better than not, better than not having it, absolutely. And how is the receptivity, do you feel, among 
schools or parents to bring in more of these approaches into schools? It depends on the district. Okay, so um, I happen to know um, I was talking to an educator just recently um, in a school district down in in Florida, and even bringing in mindfulness, there's the teachers were resistant to it. So again, it depends on the district, it depends on the population, it depends on their level of of their and their understanding of what is mindfulness. And it's education. The teachers need to be educated so that they know that mindfulness is something really fabulous and nothing to be afraid of. So there, a lot of people are still afraid of these things. They're afraid of their own power. And until the conversation changes, we're just going to be in the same loop that we're in right now. Thankfully, the conversations have begun to change. And through these movements, they're calling the new age movement, you know, the new earth movement, all of these, the conscious ladies. And, and so again, with the internet, we are so blessed to be able to raise consciousness and conscious awareness so that this work will be out there sooner than it was ever before. This is going to happen very quickly. And I really, my, my not, I don't like to use the word hope, but my vision is that we get to use and see how powerful we are before we hand over our power to complete virtual reality. And then we'll never have access to our, to our own abilities. They will be squashed. And so my intention is to get this work out as quickly as possible before uh, kids become the victims of somebody else's reality. Do you think that virtual reality has a place for helping develop children's and adults' abilities in these areas? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, because it teaches children and adults how to use their imagination to create reality. But then we have to remember that we're not in the virtual reality that we're accessing, we have to remember that we also have that power. It's not just the electric. It's not just the the reality that we're watching on the screen or wherever it is that we're watching it. Okay. That we have the ability to do that without, without the, um, let's call it the gadget. Okay. Without the technology that we have that power within us and that may get lost. And speaking as an occupational therapist here, I'm, I'm all for technology. It's what's allowing us to communicate and share this information and all of your amazing experiences and the children you've supported. At the same time, we do have bodies and we do need to move our bodies and experience the physical world and have sensory experiences as well to, to help us be as well-rounded as possible. Is there anything else you would like to share? Just have parents become conscious of their conversations. Again, I have all of this in my 16 page guide. And it's also in my book. The more awareness we have around language, the more we become consciously aware, the faster we can, inf- we can influence what's going on in our world, in our society, and help our children to also become conscious creators so that they are aware that their language and their thoughts are powerful. Well, I definitely feel your power, Ellie. It's just contagious in a really positive way. So thank you for that. And also you have some programs that you wanted to share. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Amy. So I have an online program, which is called Make Magic Happen. 
You can find that on my website if you go to Psy Kids and or just type in Make Magic Happen, Ellie Molina, you'll find it. And this is an online psychic development program for children and their adults. And then I also offer a monthly community. It's a community group, but I teach every month. I teach consciousness and I teach awareness and I teach psychic work. And that's called the Midnight Portal. And there's always one month free membership for people who want to come in and and experiment with it. And so there are um, online programs and it's elliemolinathinkific.com and psykidsthinkific.com. It's out there. Just a little search. Well, thank you so much, Ellie, for being an innovator and a pioneer in this area with helping young people to feel more empowered, to trust themselves, to have higher emotional intelligence, to be able to just raise consciousness in ways that they might have not been otherwise able to do. Thank you, Emmy. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me, Ellie. And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us. Thank you.